Why don't we pray as we open up God's Word this morning? Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for what it gives us, the opportunity to grow, the opportunity to transform, the opportunity to receive hope, the opportunity to come to know You. And God, today as we open Your Word, I pray that You would speak to us, that You would speak to our hearts, that You would open our hearts and our minds to receive what You want to say to us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Now you know that I do love music and I was a child of the 80s and growing up as a three-year-old in the early 80s, play school was my show. (laughs) And for, for, for many of us, it was a show in the 60s and the 70s and now even into the 2020s. But there was Big Ted, there was Little Ted, there was Jemima and that's just the stuffed toys. There was John on piano, remember John on piano? And Benita, who can forget Benita? Like she was like the long stay of play school. But my favourite was a man by the name of Don, Don Spencer. And uh, growing up in my household, not only was Don one of my favourite presenters, but he was one of my favourite singer-songwriters as a young one. All right, he sang some amazing songs. Albums like this, Feathers, Fur or Fins. Songs about the great Australian wildlife that we have all around us. Song titles like I'm a Galar, uh, Fairy Penguin Strut. But my favourite was a song called Bob the Kelpie. Now I know I shouldn't sing, but this song, you know when I was prepping this message about, I'm about to talk to you about the lost sheep. This is where my crazy brain goes. This song came to mind. Now I'm going to need a little bit of help with this. Can anyone whistle as if you're a whistling for a sheepdog? Anyone got a good whistle on them? Come on, don't be shy. Hey, hey, there's one. All right, who did that? All right, you're on. You ready? You ready? So this is, these are, this, this is, I, I'm, I don't know why I do this. <laughs> this is how the song goes, all right? You ready? He goes, sheep are cute. Sheep are beaut, sheep are soft and curly. And when I take them into town, I have to start up early because they never go the way I want. So I need someone to help me. I just give a whistle and I call for Bob the Kelpie. Thank you, thank you. I've got to use the stage while I've got it. That's all I can say. It takes me back to my days that I spent on my uncle's sheep property out near Dirrambandi, out western Queensland. You know, watching the sheep, having to deal with the sheep, having to chase the sheep, working with the sheep. And I find it interesting that the Bible likens us to sheep. I'm not, not sure if I should be insulted by that, but that's what it does. It's, I mean, are we cute? Ah, some more than others. Butte, absolutely, we're all special. Soft and curly, well, some are definitely softer than others. But I think it's this line, because they never go the way I want. Is it because we're prone to wander? I think so. Isaiah 53, in the first part of verse 6, it says, We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. We have the tendency to go astray. We have the tendency to go in a direction that we were never meant to go. We have the tendency to leave the path and 
check out other options. We have the tendency to be stubborn, don't we? It's all about me. I want to go this way, or we go all backstreet boys and we go, I want it that way. And thank goodness Isaiah not only tells us our problem, but in this prophecy, he directs us and declares the solution which we now find in Jesus. So Isaiah 53, starting in verse five now, it says this, but, you know, whenever you see a but in scripture, it's either a lesson to be learned or a reason to celebrate. Okay, because the lesson to be learned often goes like this. God said to Israel, but Israel disobeyed. And there's a great lesson for us to learn what not to do. But whenever you see a but in this context where God is getting involved into one of our situations, it's a reason to celebrate. And this is what it says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now, I grew up memorizing that verse, so it's really important. I can't preach Isaiah 53 without reading that version, but I realize that in that version, there's some big words that don't quite cut it in the language of today. Words like transgressions. I don't know when the last time you used transgressions in a casual conversation or your iniquities. When was the last time you used that word? So I I looked at some of the more common language versions and I found the New Living Translation and it puts it in a beautiful way that I think might land a little bit better. It says, but he was pierced for our rebellion. That makes a bit more sense. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. And all of us like sheep have strayed away. We've left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. God didn't whistle for Bob the Kelpie to come and help us. He didn't need help. He sent help. And the help that he sent was in the form of his son, Jesus Christ. And he gave his son, Jesus, to to us who went to all lengths to rescue us. Pierced, crushed, whipped, broken, beaten. Just like the song we sang earlier, Reckless Love. He chased you down. He fought until you were found. He leaves the 99. Jesus left heaven to come after you. He left the safety and the security of being in his Father's presence to come on this earth. I love what it says in Philippians 2, verses 6 to 7. It says, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to be clung to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and he was born as a human being. In his coming, he lit up dark places. Mountains that were in our way, he climbed them for us. Barriers that stop us, he broke them down. Lies that we have believed, he destroyed just to get to you. Even when you didn't deserve it, he came. Even when you didn't earn it, he came. And when you were against him, he was for you. Such is the love of God towards us. This is more than a whistle and come help. This is a bankrupt heaven to get to you. 
type of moment. He is the great shepherd. You know, we sing this song, Reckless Love, and we sometimes struggle with the word reckless, don't we? As if God is careless. How can God be careless if he's in control, if he's all-powerful, if he's the great and mighty one? But that's not what this word means. He wasn't careless, he was calculated. He knew exactly what to do. And this plan that he had was in place before the foundations of the world. It was there before we were even in existence. It was his love that was reckless and was reckless in this way. He had gave no regard to his comfort. He gave no regard for his reputation and no regard for any other plan that he had for his life. He gave all that up to come after you and I. Such was his love. And I can imagine if we showed that sort of love to one another, some would call it reckless. That we would give ourselves for others. So let's read the passage of the lost sheep. If you've got your Bibles with me, and I encourage you to do so, maybe on your phone, turn to Luke 15. We're going to read from verses 1 to 7. I want to read to you the story of the lost sheep. We're in the middle of what we're calling the season. This year is called homecoming, where we're believing to see the lost come home. Those that maybe once knew God to return to the house, to return to fellowship with God. For those that don't know God, to have a revelation of his love, to, to, to discover the grace that is towards him. That's what we're in. And this is the first part of a passage that we've surrounded ourselves with. It says this in verse one. It says, Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But... This is a lesson to be learnt, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and he goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbours together and says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. You see, when we read this story, we actually identify with the lost and the sinners. That crowd that the Bible says were being gathered, that gathered to hear Jesus. We identify with them because we identify with the lost sheep. We identify that we were once lost, that we were the ones that had gone astray. We were the ones that had gone on the path away from where God had always called us to be. We identify with that because our story is I was lost, but now I'm found. When we read the Bible, we, we read knowing the outcome, don't we? And so we identify with the lost, with the sinners, with the lost sheep. And we look at people like the Pharisees and the religious leaders and even sometimes the disciples and we look on them almost with disdain because we go, I can't believe they would do that. I mean, seriously, I mean, the mistakes that they made, the bad attitude that they have towards Jesus, the exclusion of others that they show, saying the wrong things at the wrong time. Peter was good at that. And we, we, we almost look down from this side of history at them and we go, I can't, I can't believe you would do that. I mean, Jesus used some seriously tough language. You got Jesus meek and mild. He went savage on them for a season. 
the Pharisees, he, he, he talks to them, he says, you guys are like whitewashed tombs. Whoa. You're like all good on the outside. You look pretty. Your facade is intact, but on the inside, you're dead man's bones. Oh, Jesus, that's rough. He goes, you're a brood of vipers. It's like you lay in wait and you poison others with your gossip and your slander. Whoa. And you go, I can't believe they would do that. That's not what I would do. That's terrible. What about Peter denying Christ? I would never do that. No, not me. Because we identify with the lost sheep and the sinners. And that's not wrong because that's right because we were. We were a lost sheep. We were a sinner and now we're found. But this story, in this story, Jesus in one story lands a message for both these audiences. It's, he brings hope to the sinners and he brings a challenge to the Pharisees. In love, Jesus actually speaks to the lost, but he also speaks to the found. Whoa, hang on a second. Hang on. Are you saying that the challenge that he brings to the Pharisees is a challenge that he can bring to you and I as the Christian who is found? Because the only reason he tells this story is to respond to the first few verses that we read in Luke 15. Let me read it again to you. Now, the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. It was that statement, it was that attitude that caused Jesus to step into this story. And in his amazing ability to bring the lost home, he challenges an attitude that if we're not careful, can be found in us. I mean, in one hand, you've got these sinners, you've got people who have lived with little regards to the way of God. But in their approach, you can almost sense their desperateness for hope. But then on the other hand, you've got the Pharisees and religious leaders, those which have made their whole life about being about, about the ways of God, taking pride in following God, but they'd missed the way and more about rules than relationship and excluding others because they don't deem them to measure up to what is required and of Jesus. They were absolutely sceptical. And this is the reason why. You see, rather than creating a welcome for the lost to come home, the Pharisees were putting a blockage. And God's challenge to us, and Jesus' challenge to us, is that if I was once lost and now I'm found, shouldn't we create a welcome and a celebration for those that have been lost to now come and be found? You know, a few years ago, there was these memes that popped up on social media. Have you, do you, have you remember the memes, Be Like Bob? Anyone seen, I'm going to put one on the, on the screen so that there's sort of a satirical way of slapping us upside the face for silly things that we do. Here's, here's one that I liked. This is Bob. Bob likes to eat food. Bob doesn't feel that he has to take a picture of everything he eats. Bob is smart. Be like Bob. You know, it sort of highlights these silly things that we tend to do and just gives us a bit of a wake up to yourself moment. If 
if we were to take this story, this moment with Jesus and make it into a meme, I reckon this is what it would sound like. Are you ready? It said, this is Jesus. Jesus is loving and kind. Jesus welcomes sinners. Jesus doesn't stop them from coming because they look different, behave different or speak different. He knows it's a heart issue. Jesus is smart. Be like Jesus. If you're writing notes and you don't know what the title is, go back to the start of your notes and write, Be Like Jesus. This is, the, this is the message of the lost sheep. We have been recklessly loved by God and now the challenge is to recklessly love others. It's as simple as that. Sorry if it's not as complicated or theologically profound as you'd like, but this is the truth. This is the truth of what we experience And rather than asking, why would God save them? Look inwards and go, well, God saved me, so surely he can save them. Don't be like the Pharisees, be like Jesus. Because if we're serious about homecoming, then we've got to be serious about the welcome that we bring. I wonder if the band could come and join me. We've got to be serious about the welcome that we bring. And if we're not careful, we can fall into a mindset like the Pharisees and we go, oh, surely not, that's not me. Well, do you mind if I just challenge a little bit today? Just prod and poke a little bit and see whether or not there's any Pharisee mindset that might be creeping into our lives. And just remember, I'm not preaching at you, I'm preaching at me and maybe you're learning from what I'm preaching to myself. Because what does it look like? Well, if Jesus gave no regard to his comfort, well, maybe loving recklessly looks like giving no regard to our comfort either. So are you prepared to walk a little bit further from your car park because new people have taken your favourite spot? (laughs) Oh, this is going to get uncomfortable for a moment, but yeah, I've been looking forward to this. Are you prepared not to have your favourite seat because someone new has taken it already? Are you prepared to come a little bit earlier to set an atmosphere that welcomes sinners? Are you prepared to come and lean in and sit forward so that you can set an atmosphere of praise and leave seats at the back for those that are new that may come late so that they're not looking for a seat, but there's one available for them? Now, I understand there's a whole lot of reasons why people like certain spaces, the air conditioning, the sound and all the rest of it. I'm just talking about an attitude of the heart and go, you know what, am I coming to church just to receive for me or am I coming to church to actually create a welcome for lost people to come home? Am I actually gonna create a pathway like a runway or a red carpet that I'm gonna roll out so that lost people can come home? Or am I so self-entitled that I wanna sit where I wanna sit, I wanna park where I wanna park, I wanna make sure that the coffee's ready for me when it's ready for me? Or are we gonna go, you know, I'm gonna open my heart, I'm gonna love people recklessly. Are you prepared not to rush off after a service or leave to get a table early? Because you have a part to play when we take, make a salvation call, when we invite people to respond, rather than rushing out the doors because we've got an appointment to run to, we're setting an atmosphere and a welcome so that lost people can come home. Don't be like the Pharisees, be like Jesus. Be like Jesus. You prepared to serve on a team so you can facilitate the welcome. There's a whole lot of comfort in the sheep pen. A whole lot of comfort, but it takes courage to go looking. 
And if Jesus left heaven for me, what can we leave for others? I just want, it's almost like a sila moment. Let that settle. It's time to love recklessly because we have been loved recklessly. It's time to be like Jesus. Jesus gave no regard for his reputation. No regard. He was accused of being a friend of sinners. The Bible actually says in Hebrews, it says, welcome the stranger because when you welcome the stranger, at times people have entertained angels. Who's the stranger? Well, it's someone who looks strange to you. Someone who looks different to you. Someone who speaks different to you. Someone who behaves different to you. Are they, you go, well, they seem a bit strange. Well, welcome them. The Bible says that Jesus welcomed sinners, people that were so opposite to who He was, but He created a space where they actually wanted to gather around Him. He had this attractive quality where people were drawn to Him. Can that be said of our lives? Can that be said of this church? That people of all types of life and preference and styles and makeups would be attracted to us rather than be repulsed by us. Don't be like the Pharisee. Let's be like Jesus. I remember announcements in this church where we had to say, make sure you take care of your personal belongings, your handbags and your valuables. In case they got stolen. And you would go, I can't believe that. I can't believe that my valuables would be in danger in a church. I can't believe that. Well, can I say, if they're not, then we're not reaching the lost. Their religious mindset just got shaken. I'm, I'm honest. Can we believe that the lost will be found? Because if we don't, if we don't create that welcome, they will not come. They will not be drawn. And we can pray for revival all we like, but we can block them at the door if we stay in a Pharisee mindset. And this is what Jesus had. Jesus had no regard for his own plans. Are you prepared to be interrupted? Oh, but I've got this planned appointment. I've got to be here, I've got to be there, I've got to be there. Are you prepared to linger a little bit longer so that you can engage someone new? Maybe offer a listening ear, show love, shout coffee, invite to your life group, or maybe even take out to lunch. Maybe you'll be seen eating with them just like Jesus. And why would I put my comfort, reputation and plans at risk? Because Jesus did that for you. Jesus didn't leave it at one story though. The lost sheep was the first of three. There was the lost coin and there was this one beautiful one right at the end called the lost son one that we know as the prodigal son. And there's this picture of this son who had gone astray like a sheep and found himself stuck in a place that he didn't know how to get out of. And he started to make a decision. He said, I'm going to move towards God. I'm going to move towards my father. And there's this beautiful picture of this son walking the dusty roads back towards his father's house. And on the, the balcony of the house, there is the father no regards to his comfort because every day he interrupted his own plans and he stood out on that balcony looking for his son. And this one moment, he all of a sudden on the, on the horizon, he sees the son coming. And a man of that stature never ran. The man of that stature never hitched up his garments. 
A man of that stature never threw himself recklessly at another human being. But this man, this father, representing God the Father, actually got down from his balcony and started to run started to put no regards to his comfort, no regards to his reputation of how he would be seen. And he ran and he ran and he ran. And when he got to his son, he wrapped his arms around him and showed him love and affection and welcome and celebration. Doesn't matter all the things. That son didn't deserve it and he didn't earn it, but the father still loved him. The father still chased after him. The father hunted him down and gave him the celebration that he deserved. He interrupted his whole day plans. He said, Kill the fatted calf. Bring everyone together. Let's celebrate for my son that was lost is now found. He was dead and now he's alive and he's come home and we're gonna throw the greatest party on earth. Will you welcome the lost? Will you be like Jesus? God's not whistling for a sheepdog. He's inviting His church to be like Jesus and welcome the lost. I wonder if you'd stand with me this morning. I'm aware that can be a confronting message. That can be a... And I want to give it some moment. Because I want to... We're going to sing this song. Just this reckless love moment. And I want you in this time... Just as we sing these words, I want you to reflect on what Jesus has done for you and ask this simple question. God, what are you asking me to do for others? And let God start to speak to your hearts today. This is not about a ministry moment for you. This is about a a God, let, let me be transformed into your likeness. Let me be like Jesus. Come on, Mikey, if we can sing this. Why don't you take a moment just to reflect on this word, reflect on these words. Heavenly Father, we come before you first as those that have been found. Lord, those that have once lost, but now we know and we experience the intimacy that comes with salvation. And God, over each and every one of our lives, God, I pray that you would take us on a journey of transformation, a journey where we are reminded of the depths that you went to for us and challenge us to go to those same lengths for others, that we would in this place create such a welcome 
that the lost would be found, that those that are searching for hope would find it here, that as they come in the doors, as they engage us individually, as they come to us in our workplaces, as they come to us in our schools, as they come to us in our universities, as they come to us on a Sunday morning and every other expression of church life, that they would not feel a blockage towards coming to God, but they would feel an open and a welcome and a celebration that the lost has been found, the dead has come alive. And God, do that in us, I pray. I pray, just as your eyes are closed and your heads are bowed, I wanna give an invitation. No one moving around for this moment is, is, a, is a sacred moment. Maybe today you've heard about the lost sheep, the one that went astray, but there was this loving God that chased it down. And you're going, you know what? That's me. First of all, I didn't know God loved me that much, but I'll tell you, He did. And He wants you in relationship with Him, which was the way He created you to be. And today, something in your heart, you might not be able to explain it in your head, you might not be able to articulate it with words, but you know in your heart, this is what I need to respond to. And I wanna pray for you. Maybe you once knew God, but you've walked away and today you're coming home. Today you're saying, you know what? It's time to come home. I know there'll be, in a crowd this size, there'll be people ready to do this. And if that's you, I want you just to raise your hand up high so that I can see and I wanna be able to pray with you. Who today is saying, I wanna be in relationship with God. I wanna be found by Him. Or maybe you're choosing, you know what? I wanna come home. It's time to come home, right across this place. I wonder if I could just have the house lights up so I can see, please. Right across this place. Thanks. Right across. I know in a place like this, there's people that are on a journey. We're gonna pray. You know, church, can you believe with me to see that on days like this, that we would see multiple hands raised because the lost are coming home. Let's continue to create a welcome in prayer. Come on, why don't we pray together? Why don't we believe that the seat that's beside you right now will be filled one day by someone coming to find Jesus. Heavenly Father, right now in the name of Jesus, in this place right now, for those that are on a journey, maybe they haven't responded today, but they're, they're walking towards you. God, I pray that you would arrest them by your love. But God, for every spare seat in this place today, we, we speak life over each one that there, someone would sit in it that would come to find Jesus over the course of this year. That our seats would be under threat because of the numbers of people coming home. We would have to open new services in Jesus' name. We have to create new avenues to reach people because of the welcome that this church has created across the city of Logan. God, we pray that in the name of Jesus. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Come on, why don't we give God a great hand in this place this morning. Thanks, Bonnie.